Just an old-fashioned love song playing on the radio And wrapped around the music is the sound of someone promising they'll never go Welcome back, all you smooth swingers and groovers, to the special Valentine's Day episode of the All-American Lovers Savage Show. My gay, heterosexual, bearded, oh man, I was on a roll there and I just butchered that, I'm sorry. It was, anyway, my sexy producer over here, my my co-host, my buddy, my partner, my lover, Josh, right there, operating these controls a lot better than I had with this intro. Can we just, can we start over and do it again? Nah, too late, whatever, we're gonna go with it. We're gonna go with it. What's going on? What's the going, on? going on? Over there? I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those days. Oh man! Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. I I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I, I will not lie about this holiday. I am not the biggest Valentine's Day fan. I'm just not. Um, it feels like it's it's like this Hallmark holiday that forces you to I don't know. I, I've seen comments from people that talk about like if Valentine's Day is the one day that you show that special someone how much you love and appreciate them. It kind of is like you're doing it wrong. And that should be like, I'm not going to say every day. No, nobody does it every day as far as like, you know, goes out there and gets gifts. But I'll say like the things that I appreciate about like Sheila, for example, it's like, like she'll always check on, check on me to see if I need like something to drink, what I want to eat. It's small things like that, that really go a long way with me. And, you know, I, I, that's the one of the things I appreciate. Like, I don't need gifts. I don't need stuff like that. Although she did get me a gift and I got her one too. It was a nice little bath set up that I got, uh, it's like, it's it's all the female stuff. I don't know what half of it is. It looks good. They rub it on themselves and they get happy. I don't know. It's all right. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I got her something else. But as, you know, as with my luck, it's not in the mail yet. I'd ordered her a, uh, it was for her um, her last birthday. And it was from this, this company. Oh my God, I can't remember it. And it was a silver hairbrush set. And I really, I thought it was beautiful. Scully, it was from Scully. And I had to cancel it because it was over four months late. And I was just like, it was the most unprofessional experience I've ever had. And like, yeah, well, we're special ordering it from England. It has to be engraved. And like, I ordered this four months ago. You said it would be, anyway, I'm not going to turn into one of those episodes, but either way, either way, happy Valentine's Day to y'all out there. Happy Valentine's Day to my wonderful fiance. I know Josh, you probably want to wish Laura one as well, because if you don't, she'll probably cut your nuts off. No, nah, yeah. Laura's not that way. I already wished her happy Valentine's Day. God damn it. Okay. Started off this morning. Well, technically, I did too. Flowers, cards. Oh, you got flowers? You chocolates. Flowers? Really? Yeah. See, I went different. Not she's really. not. She's I not really, really into it either. Like where you got to go out and get yeah. like something well, extravagant, like a. But y'all are going to go out and get something to eat, though, right? Yeah, we're going to go. Oh, out. Gonna take, no. We're going to take the kids out for dinner. I can't do that. Not because of value. It's just the lines are going to be insane. Like, did you get reservations? Yeah. Okay. Where'd you Where are you going to go? Well, don't don't My, say it on the. Uh, Magianos. Oh, Magiano's good. Yeah. 
they have that uh that deal where you can like make your own pasta and they take oh it's I figured what it was well, I, I haven't been there in a couple of years but they had that one deal to where it was like cheap pasta yeah that makes me sound really bad cheap pasta <laughs> we're all thinking it you go into a restaurant like this like okay what's cheap here <laughs> if it's actually really good it's mainly because it jumped out at me because I'm a very picky eater but they had this you can kind of make your own combination deal I, I don't know but I, I thought it was great anyway uh, you know Olive Garden was booked up so we had a set of uh, I, I do love Olive Garden I do love Olive Garden Olive Garden's good What's up, folks? What's up, Rumble? How you doing today? I hope hopefully you're having a wonderful. The weather's been just phenomenal. A little chilly in the morning, but in the afternoon, I took the bike out yesterday. I had to run down to um, Tractor Trailer Supply get the chickens and more grub worms. They love those things. High protein diets makes them have better egg production. And then uh, got Athena some treats. But then I did notice um, this is totally boomer talk now. So if you're not interested, whatever, I don't care. Uh, I saw they already have plum trees, uh, pear trees, apple trees, like the the small little. Um, uh, I don't know what you call them, sprouts, if you will. Uh, I think I'm going to start getting those ready because I looked on the packaging and then also online to research when you should be planting them. It says now. So, Olive yeah. Garden is not an abortion. Olive Garden's good. It is good. Olive Garden's good. Bottomless uh, salad, the uh, breadsticks. breadsticks. Yeah. I, I, look, Olive Garden is not authentic Italian. I'm just going to say it's American Italian. There's a difference. But it is still, that's the one thing that I feel people lie about. They don't like franchises because it means they've sold out. No, franchises exist because your business is good. Yeah. Your food is good. 60 million Elvis fans cannot be wrong. It's the same thing that it was Starbucks. Oh, it's just disgusting coffee. Yeah, it's like, it's actually really good coffee. Uh, they revolutionized the coffee world. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, can they be a little douchebaggish with their, their stances? Of course they can. But I'm sorry. It's just, I, I have I have never looked at these franchises like Starbucks. Oh, they suck. It's like, no, they're pretty good. Especially barbecue joints. People like rag on Dick's Dickie's barbecue all the time. It's like, it's good. Like I like Dickie's barbecue. Now, of course there's other barbecue joints. Bucky's has its own genre of stuff. And everybody's like, well, Bucky's is, they sing Bucky's praises, but it's franchised. But these other stores or the other restaurants, it's like, well, yeah. I think Olive Garden in, his own, in its own right, in its own genre is very good. Very good. But I think if you get authentic Italian, you'll see that it's no different than, for example, people didn't know this, like in Mexico, certain parts of Mexico, they don't have queso. Queso doesn't exist over there. That's an American thing. That's a Tex-Mex thing. Chili con queso. I bet you a lot of you didn't know that. You swine. Just making it better. We are. That's what, that's the American thing. We take what you've already created and we make it fattening and better. That's, that's what America does. That's American traditionalism right there. That's American culture. We take your food and we fatten it. We deep fry it and we make it better. That's the way it is. You're welcome world. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, on this Valentine's Day, we have a lot of news to cover, but we are going to try and keep the episode a little bit shorter. I'm trying to cut it down to like an hour tops because I think people kind of tune out after an hour and a half. But either way, um, we've got Mayorkas has been impeached. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's celebrating this. Still has to go to the Senate. And even if they impeach him, guess what happens? Somebody else gets put in a spot from the Biden administration and nothing changes. It's a waste of time. But okay, whatever. I guess we're here. Republicans wanted to send a message. They impeached them. Okay, great. I don't see this changing anything. Now, of course, there are going to be some Republicans that argue, say, well, we have to do something. I get it. But that something is actually winning elections. You don't think replacing him, the next person that I'll step in, might do a better job? A little bit better? I, you know, the evil you know. Because honestly... If it's a Biden administration appointee, who do you think they're going to appoint? They're going to appoint somebody that's actually going to go out there and do their job? You think Mayorkas, 
like was I doing mean, his own thing. I think New York is under uh, Biden control. I thought Kamala was supposed to be the border czar. <laughs> Bro, you're funny. Right. You're funny. So it's Mayorkas now, who's not doing anything. Yeah, he's not bad. And whose direction, though? Biden's direction. Yeah. Well, so it's I, like, I mean, it doesn't they, make can, the they, can put, they can put David again. Crockett there, and it's not going to matter because they're still going to follow the outlines of the administration. And then we've lost a seat in the House, George Santos' seat that was up for special election. That went to a Democrat. Yeah, that blew up in our face. <laughs> right? Why we st- would they I, you know, him out when they need his vote? That's that's a good point. That is a very good point. To me, I was kind of like neutral on the issue. I was like, you know, I get both sides of this. I understand that Santos misrepresented himself, whatever. He violated principles. He violated uh, election integrity laws. I get it. He lied about a few things. But then again, you've got people like Swalwell that were banging a Chinese spy. You had Feinstein that had a Chinese spy working, working for for 20 years. Nothing happens to these people. You have that Menendez guy. Yeah. Who even Fetterman is going against, yeah. honestly. That's hilarious to me. They don't do anything. Like Democrats, no. they just keep them on and no. take their vote. It just seems like, you know, Republicans wanted to hold them to a standard. And I get that. I do get that. Because if you don't, well, then corruption just continues to spread. But it's like, what happens when one side is just totally corrupt and has no principles has no conviction of holding the representatives to a standard but then if the right doesn't the left doesn't it's an uneven playing field and the left's going to continue to score these victories and it, it just leaves the right to well now in order to defeat evil we have to become evil it's it's just a sad state of affairs to see this but either way we still possess we still possess the lead in the house we got three vacancy seats george santos we're going to cover that uh we got laura trump comes out and talks about what she's going to do if she is the co-chair of the uh, GOP chair. And uh, it's as I predicted. It's pretty much as I predicted. Wasn't hard to call that one. But, you know, it's sad to see it. Either way, before we get into today's episode, it's brought to you by ShellshockCBD.com today. It's the last day to stock up on our chocolates and lube. Yes, they go together. They do go together. Go check us out. Only the chocolate and CBD lube are on sale. You can use the discount. Uh, what's the discount code? V-Day 24. V-Day 24. V-Day 24 on the Delta Chocolate and the CBD Lubricant. If you haven't tried it out, now's your chance. Get 20% off. Josh is holding one up right now. He's probably yeah. going to use it on himself after the show. Oh, you betcha, buddy. You betcha. I'm going to use it right now. Where do you think this bottle's going? Where do you think this is him? <laughs> going to let this slip away. hey Wink, wink. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Stuck in there. Yeah, that's why it's we tight. make the lube. That's it's why tight. you got to put some lube on that's the bottle right. and we we'll get stuck. There you it's go. Good. Josh is holding it up. Yeah. Beautiful little bottle there. It's nice. Check that out. Four ounce bottle. It's beautiful. All natural. All natural. Water just makes it wash right off. Mm-hmm. It's water based, not oil. So it's not going to, it won't stay on you after the, the deed is done. It won't stain the sheets. It won't stain the sheets. Yep. Well, before we get into, um, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to do a rehash real quick on um, the meaning of Valentine's Day. A lot of people don't know. I'm going to be that guy. It's like, let's, let's, today when we celebrate the birth of Christ and Christian, we're going to go back and see the celebration of Christmas and where it originated from. So let's open up our Bibles. Oh, wait a minute. It's a pagan holiday. Let's go back even further. Now, Valentine's Day is something that I feel like people are like, oh, it's all hearts and stuff, but not a lot of people, or maybe they do, maybe they know the story of St. Valentine. I don't know, but we're going to tell it to you. So sit down, you little shitheads. Daddy's going to read a, a little bit to you. Here we go. <laughs> Valentine's Day is a holiday celebrated every February 14th. This year, Valentine's Day. Okay, nobody cares about this. Okay, but who is this mysterious saint? And where did these traditions come from? Find out about the meaning and history of Valentine's Day from the ancient Roman ritual, Lupercalia, 
that welcomed spring to the card-giving customs of Victorian England. The Legend of St. Valentine's. This is coming to us from the History Channel. Uh, the history of St. Valentine's Day and the story of its patron saint is shrouded in mystery. We do know that February... Um, hopefully this music isn't too loud. It should be good. Okay. Uh, has long been celebrated as a month of romance, and that St. Valentine's Day, as we know it today, contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was St. Valentine, and how did he become associated with this ancient rite? The Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinius, all of whom were martyred. Well, that's just depressing. <laughs> One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. He outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine realized the injustice of the decree and defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Still, others insisted that it was St. Valentine of Terni, a bishop, who was true to namesake of the holiday. He, too, was beheaded by Claudius II outside of Rome. Jesus. It's, like, really depressing. Other stories suggested that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, where they were often beaten and tortured. According to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his jailer's daughter, who visited him during his confinement. Before his death... It is alleged that he wrote a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that is still used today. Although the truth behind Valentine's legend is murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal and sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps thanks to his reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. Uh, origins of Valentine's Day, a pagan festival in February. While some believe Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, which probably occurred around 270 AD, others claim the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine's Day feast in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia, celebrating the ideas, the Ides of February or February 15th, Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well as the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. To begin the festival, members of the Lupercalia and order of Roman priests would gather at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or lupa. The priests would sacrifice the goat for fertility and a dog for purification. They would then strip the goat's hide into strips, dip them in the sacrificial blood, and take to the streets, gently slapping both women and crop fields with the goat hide. So you think that your guy's into some kinky stuff, you know, back during the day, unless you got smacked with a bloody goat hide, you weren't it, girl. You weren't it. You better hope that a priest come by and smack you with a bloody hide. Otherwise, you just ain't getting any of that D for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with this chosen woman. These matches often ended in marriage. Hence, Roman, Roman era, Roman-esque Tinder. Okay. <laughs> you didn't swipe. You just picked it out of a jar. There you go. Just uh, easy way to do it. Easier way to do it. 
Um, Valentine's Day meaning a day of romance and love. Lupercalia survived the initial rise of Christianity, but was outlawed as it was deemed unchristian at the end of the 5th century when Pope uh, Gilicius declared February 14th St. Valentine's Day. It was not until much later, however, that the day became uh, definitively associated with love. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds' mating season, which added to the idea of the middle of Valentine's Day should be a day for romance. The English poet Geoffrey Chaucer was the first to record St. Valentine's Day as a day of romantic celebration in his hundred, wait, in his 1375 poem, Parliament of Fowls, writing, For this was sent on St. Valentine's Day, when every fowl cometh near to choose his mate. Valentine's greetings were popular as far back as the Middle Ages, um, though written Valentine's didn't appear until after 1400s. The oldest known Valentine still in existence today was a poem written in 1415 by Charles, Duke of Orleans, to his wife while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London following his capture at the Battle of Agincourt. The greeting is now part of the manuscript collection of the British Library in London, England. Several years later, it believed that King Henry V hired a writer named John Lydate to compose a Valentine's Day note to Catherine of Voila, or Valois, Valois, whatever. I like you way better. Yeah, Voila is so much Voila. better. Voila. And we're going to end it on that one. This goes on for a while. It talks about the history of Cupid and nobody cares. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It's, it's what happens. It's what happens. But there you go. A little history of Valentine's Day. For those that didn't know, educate yourself. Little savages. Little heathens. <laughs> there you go. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody else out there. Uh, and, you know, there's, you know, it's a day that people celebrate their relationships. And if you're single, well, get the Shell Shock CBD loop. Loser. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> oh, you're something else. I'm just I go, kidding. I take it a step, I'm and then you go a step further. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's get into today's top stories. What is happening? The Republican National Committee, and could Laura Trump become its co-chair? Now, again, Donald Trump has already thrown his endorsement behind this. She still has to be elected as co-chair. But um, uh, Donald Trump is calling for a shakeup at the highest levels of the Republican National Committee. Uh, okay, McDaniel said, uh, okay, we already read this. All right, let's, let's get into this article. Laura Trump says every single penny of RNC funds will go to electing Donald Trump if she is made co-chair. Um, former President Donald Trump's daughter-in-law is promising that all Republicans... Uh, excuse me, the Republican National Committee's finances will be poured into getting him reelected if she is made co-chair of the committee. Laura Trump, who the former president has pushed as a potential co-chair for the RNC, told reporters on Tuesday that every single penny would go to the campaign effort if she were appointed. The RNC needs to be the leanest, most lethal, lethal uh, political fighting machine we've ever seen in American history, Laura Trump told Newsmax. That is the goal over the next nine and a half months. If I'm elected to this position, I can assure you there will there will not be any more 70,000 or whatever exorbitant amounts of money it was spent on flowers. Um, every single penny will go to the number one and the only job of the RNC. That is electing Donald J. Trump as president of the United States and saving this country, she added. Um, no. There is also various different races throughout Congress that the RNC is also responsible for helping get funding, get voters to turn out for. Now, I ask you folks, I think we've learned many times over that congressional races are not, or excuse me, are just as important, if not more important, than the president. Congressional races are insanely important, especially backing the right candidates. The RNC's job in there is to also help these candidates. It's not just Trump. 
We saw that with McConnell, who did a very poor job of this. Funding races in Alaska, which I have no idea why. Why Ronald McDaniels would ever allow that. They wanted their girl in there. Exactly. They want, yep, exactly. Wasted money. Wasted money. It wasn't good enough to just get a Republican in it. We need to get a Republican that we can control. That's scary stuff. As he moves closer to locking up the 2024 presidential nomination, Trump has increasingly been pushing to exert control and install loyalty at the National Party Committee. Last week, Trump announced plans for his daughter-in-law to run for co-chair. Laura is an extremely talented communicator and is dedicated to all MAGA stands for, the former president said. She has told me she wants to accept this challenge. It would be great. Laura Trump is the wife of former president's son, uh, Eric Trump. Um, as Trump seeks to win back his old job in the White House, he stated on Monday how crucial it was for the RNC to be a good partner during the election. That means helping to ensure fair and transparent elections across the country, getting out the vote everywhere, even in parts of the country where it won't be easy, and working with my campaign as the Republican pre, uh, presumptive nominee for president to win this election and make America great again, he exclaimed. I'm just saying, this is not good. This is not good. What this, pay again, we talked about on this yesterday's show, what this paves the way for is that if you're going to be a Republican and you want to run, you better be a MAGA man. And if you're not, you're not getting the support of the RNC. Now, if you can't see why that's dangerous ground, I don't know what to tell you. This is just more nepotism. This is not good. This is not good. Another article is Trump's mounting legal bills are bankrupting his PACs and could bleed the RNC dry. Former President Donald Trump has already spent more than $50 million in donor contributions on his own legal bills in 2023. Now his four upcoming criminal trials are threatening to empty out his PAC accounts with still nine months to go before Election Day. In a Wednesday article, Bloomberg reported on the ex-president's financial conundrum as the meat of the election season looms in the coming months. The super PAC has been using to pay his lawyers, MAGA Inc., has less than $27 million left, with Trump still having to pay for legal representation for criminal trials in Manhattan, U.S. District Courts in Florida, and in Washington, D.C., and in Fulton County, Georgia, all while still running a nationwide presidential campaign. This means that Trump is running out of options to raise money needed to accomplish both tasks of having legal representation in multiple jurisdictions and running a competitive campaign. He can tap into his existing pool of small donors, or he can raid the Republican National Committee coffers. However, pursuing either of these avenues will make it even harder for Republicans to catch up to Democrats in the money race in competitive House and Senate races. This is the other thing that very is very concerning to me. Will he go into the RNC? I mean, it's just it's one of these things of like, look, I think donors by and large donate that money because they want to see Republicans win in these races. But to pay off the legal bills of an already self-made billionaire I, I just, I find that falls on deaf ears. Trump can afford this. Trump's got the money. But instead, it's you, the donor. You're paying his legal bills. It's a smart business move on his part. I'll give him that. I'll, I'll give him that. It's like, you don't have to touch any of my money. But it's, it's no different than having a GoFundMe to pay for legal bills. Realistically, it's not. But the thing that concerns me, though, is with Laura Trump as co-chair, you know where all this money's going. You know where it's going. Now, again, I'm not sure when the election is, but they still have to be election. Trump can't appoint people. It has to be an election. Our mission is straightforward. Maximize the Republican Party's resources to get President Trump elected. Trump senior advisor Chris LaCivita said. LaCivita said. 
Trump has so far been able to pay his legal bills using a complex scheme involving transfers and refunds between both MAGA Inc. and Save America, which is another Trump-allied super PAC. MAGA Inc. has reportedly spent 71 cents of every dollar raised in 2023 to pay for the former president's legal team. According to Bloomberg, Save America has to date paid out nearly $10 million for Trump in legal expenses under agreement in which 10% of online contributions will pay for the former president's attorneys. But his campaign and the pro-Trump groups have already spent roughly $14 million more than they've raised, with no sign of those costs slowing down. Trump's super PACs, which can raise unlimited sons of money, are likely to rely more heavily on high-dollar donors like Home Depot, founder Bernie Marcus and oil baron Timothy Dunn, who is CEO of Conquest Oper- or Crown Quest Operating LLC. The former president may also not be able to rely on his own wealth to pay for his lawyers or fund an expensive campaign, given the legal judgments he's already facing. A New York jury recently found him liable for defamation, ordering him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $88 million. Judge Arthur Ngoron is also expected to hand down his verdict as soon as this week in the civil fraud trial he's been overseeing since last fall. Trump may be ordered to pay as much as $370 million in damages for false financial statements to the Trump organization su- uh, submitted to state authorities. There's also Trump's refusal to pay Rudy Giuliani worse than we thought. This is also looming in the background, like Giuliani, Giuliani is also suing Trump. Former New York mayor and ex-presidential Donald Trump attorney Giuliani, who is currently having financial difficulties, according to his lawyer, has repeatedly requested compensation from the former president and been unsuccessful, the New York Times reports. Giuliani, who was once worth tens of millions of dollars, according to the Times, is one of the 19, along with Trump, indicted by a Fulton County Superior Court and grand jury August 1st on charges related to their efforts to overturn the 2020 election. CNN reports the former mayor lawyers said in a filing this month in a civil defamation case brought by two Georgia election workers against Giuliani that needs more time to pay the attorney fees and would like to the opportunity to seek an extension from the court. The new outlet also notes on top of facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills and sanctions, Giuliani's financial situation is likely to become even more difficult to navigate in the coming days as he faces potentially perilous court decisions against them in these two cases. Um, The publication reports people close to the former mayor argue he was not working strictly on lawsuits, but also on research and efforts to keep state legislatures from certifying results Mr. Giuliani insisted were false. But Mr. Trump told aides he didn't want Mr. Giuliani to receive a dime unless he succeeded. Some of Mr. Giuliani's expenses were eventually paid, but only after Mr. Trump personally approved the money. Furthermore, according to the report, Mr. Trump's political uh, action committee has doled out roughly $21 million on legal fees primarily to Mr. Trump, but or for Mr. Trump, but also for a number of people connected to the investigation into him. So far, uh, covered only thirty-four, three hundred forty thousand for Mr. Giuliani. A payment made in late May. The publication notes that those who remain close to Mr. Giuliani, including ex-New York Police Commissioner Bernard B. Carrick, have expressed bafflement, concern, and frustration that the former mayor has still not received the financial help he seeks. I know the president is surrounded by a number of people that despise Giuliani even before the election more so after the election, for his loyalty to the president and for their relationship, Carrick said. It has always been a point of contention for a number of people who I personally think didn't serve the president well in the first place. Where is everybody? Where's the campaign? In the past, Mr. Trump has entered dangerous territory by not paying an associate's legal bills when the case is connected to him, most notably his former lawyer and fixer, Michael D. Cohen, who has became a chief antagonist and star witness against them. But people close to both Mr. Trump and Mr. Giuliani, Giuliani take it as an article of faith that former mayor would never cooperate with investigators in any meaningful way against the former president. Mr. Giuliani has said both he and his former client did nothing wrong. It's 
It, it just seems like this is one just big fiasco. Giuliani, to see where Giuliani is at now compared to where he was, it's such a sad thing to see. It's such, it's such a very sad thing to see. Like, this guy did a number for New York. He cleaned up New York, fought organized crime. And to see it this now, it's just like, thanks, Trump. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. Just dumb. But this, this entirety of everything I've just read you is a big concern for me. Like, I will never donate to the RNC. Not going to happen. I'll donate to the individual campaigns. If I did, I've already, the only person I've donated to so far has been Ron DeSantis and Thomas Massey. Yeah, I wouldn't donate to the RNC either. Yeah. They don't I, know what they're doing. No. I think that's got to be one of those things where it's like, you know, when you get these letters and these cards and then, you know, these text messages, don't donate to the RNC. They don't deserve your money. The individual candidate and their campaign, give it to them. If you truly feel like backing someone that you feel is going to represent you accordingly, as per the Constitution outlines. But to the RNC, I would starve them. I would starve them. Ronna McDaniels has failed at a massive level. Massive level. The RNC is a joke. It is a joke. But now that Laura Trump could potentially get elected as co-chair, you think anything's really going to change? Instead, it'll be everything's going to be hyper-focused on Trump. No, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. But don't you love how all these people talk about all these super PACs? Like, I'm a grassroots movement. I don't have these super PAC donations. Well, Trump does. Nobody seems to take an issue with that. Kind of funny to me. Bread and circuses, folks. Bread and circuses. It's crazy. And his legal bills aren't stopping. But now... Here's a crazy thing. Like, I, I don't know why Nikki Haley is still in this race. I, it, it certainly comes off like you are literally just wasting money at this point. Granted, people donated that money. Fine. That's okay. But do you think you're going to win this? Like, what is your goal here? I think, I think she genuinely thinks she's going to win it. The only one that had a shot was DeSantis. And that was a 30-point spread. You, you're like, what? You're, you're, you lost to literally no Canada and Nevada. You lost to no <laughs> none candidate. Of, none of the above. None of the above. That's got to sting. That, she doesn't care. <clears throat> she doesn't care. That's ridiculous. Haley blames President Trump for GOP loss in key special election as South Carolina showdown intensifies. This comes to us from Fox News. Uh, former President Trump Rick's bl- rips black female Republican congressional candidate who lost key special election. Listen to this, folks. Listen to this. Everything I've just read you about MAGA controlling the RNC, this is, this is why. This is exactly why. Tuesday night setback for the GOP and a closely watched special congressional election in the suburbs of New York City armed GOP presidential contender Nikki Haley with more ammunition against the current frontrunner, Donald Trump. Um, Let's just say the quiet part out loud. Donald Trump continues to have a huge weight against Republican candidates. Haley's campaign national spokesperson, Olivia Perez Cubas, argued in a statement, despite the enormous or the enormous and obvious failings of Joe Biden, we just lost another winnable Republican House seat because voters overwhelmingly rejected Donald Trump. Perez Cubas claimed that until Republicans wake up, we will continue to lose. Time for a new generation of conservative leadership that doesn't turn off the American people. 
Pointing to the GOP setbacks in 2018, 2020, 2022 elections, Haley has long made the argument that Republicans are tired of losing under Trump, a key part of her campaign trail Trump stump speech. She's been campaigning in South Carolina, where she, has, where she was a two-term governor before joining the Trump administration as ambassador to the U.N. In a special election, former Democratic Representative Tom Suzozzi defeated GOP County lawmaker Mazzie Phillip to fill a vacant House seat once held by former Republican President or Republican uh, Representative George Santos, who was expelled from the chamber in December. Trump returns to South Carolina on Wednesday to hold a rally in Charleston with 10 days to go. After double-digit victories in Iowa caucuses in New Hampshire primary and landslide wins in Nevada and U.S. Virgin Islands, the former president is moving closer to locking up the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. Um, Haley, as she faced a steep uphill climb to upset Trump, has been turning up the volume on her attacks on the former president in recent weeks. On Tuesday, her campaign launched a new TV ad emphasizing the chaos that will ensue if Trump returns to the White House. Haley has also reiterated her claim that Trump is unhinged. Now... Here's the thing. You know what Trump said about the special election that we lost? The Republican candidate wasn't MAGA enough. I'm not joking. You can go look on his true social. I can I can pull this up for you if y'all want. It's literally on his true social. He tweeted this out 14 hours ago. Republicans just don't learn. But maybe she will as a Democrat, question mark. I have almost 99% endorsement success rate in primaries. No, he doesn't. That's actually a lie. No, you don't. And a very good number in general elections as well. But just watch this very foolish woman, Mazzy Melissa Phillip, running in a race where she didn't endorse me and tried to straddle the fence. This is a Republican he's talking to. A Republican that didn't endorse me. When she would have easily won if she understood anything about modern day politics in America. MAGA, which is most of the Republican Party, stayed home. And it will always will unless it's treated with the respect that it deserves. I stayed out of the race. I want to be loved. Give us a real candidate in the district for November. Sozi, I know him well, can be easily beaten. That's uh, Trump's endorsement record from 2017 to 2021 mm-hmm. was... 217 wins and 19 losses. What was the most recent one in the midterms? Uh, I don't know. This just has the 20. Pull up the midterms. Let me read that part again, folks. But just watch this very foolish woman, Mazi Melissa Phillip, running in a race where she didn't endorse me and try to straddle the fence when she could have easily won. If she understood anything about modern day politics in America, MAGA, which is one of the most Republican, which is the most, which is most of the Republican Party, stayed home. And it will always, unless it's treated with respect that it deserves. You tell me this is not a cult? Let the GOP burn. I don't give a fuck. I'll survive. Now, as I predicted, as I said, they're going to try and hold the GOP hostage. They're turning into a massive MAGA echo chamber. And unless you get on board with Donald Trump and you agree with all of his policies, you're excluded. You're not in this club. Don't count on our support on any of the races. So rather than get a Republican one, a Republican elected, so we can maintain a good, somewhat marginal lead in the House. Instead, it's they didn't endorse me, whatever. MAGA just stayed home. Wow. So loyalty, huh? Let's see. In 2022, 
governors, he won five or won four, lost five. U.S. House won ten, lost seven. U.S. Senate won six, lost five. Secretary of State in Arizona and Michigan won zero, lost two. Recently, his his picks have been horrendous, and let's not even factor into the fact of uh, let's not even factor in the picks during his administration, which were not very good. This is ridiculous. This nonsense is ridiculous. This just furthers this further solidifies why so many will not be voting Donald Trump. This guy wants to unite the party, then prove it. He's got it backwards. This is this is monarchy type behavior. Bend the knee to the king. No. He, Marjorie Taylor Greene, many of his most ardent supporters and cultists have already said the Republican Party is MAGA. And if you're not MAGA, you'll be expelled from the Republican Party. That's fine. I'll go independent. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this nonsense. The GOP should be decentralized. It should not have one leader. I mean, if that's what you want, go over the Democrats. Here's an article from the BBC that says, over the past several months, candidates endorsed by Trump have pocketed victories across the country, winning 92% of the time. You get a bunch of different articles there. His picks have been horrendous. This is September 15, 2022 from the BBC. Yeah. BBC's no fan of Trump either, though. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's where we're at, folks. That's where we're at. Russia, if you had any questions about Vladimir Putin, like the whole the whole Tucker Carlson Putin interview, like I didn't really know how to feel about that. Like to me, it was like, this is no big deal. Not in a sense of like belittling what he did, but I felt like a lot of people like Sebastian Gorka, one of the biggest grifters out there, was really harping on Tucker Carlson. You interviewed a freaking horrible man. Yes, a lot of people do, and Barbara Walters did as well. Didn't a lot of people interview uh, Charles Manson? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just journalism. That's journalism. But that whole that whole thing just, number one, it got a lot of views. It, it, you know, Putin gave his side of history, these other things. But it's one of these deals that it's like, just because he sits down with, with Tucker doesn't make him a good guy. I don't, and I think people that didn't like this interview think that. They make that assumption that if people sit down and listen to this interview, they're suddenly going to like Vladimir Putin. Well, no. Not, not necessarily. But I can understand why people would think that because why? America's full of a lot of stupid voters. But listen to this. Putin signs law that will confiscate assets from critics of armed forces. Let me read that for you again. Putin signs a law that will confiscate assets from critics of armed forces. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a law Wednesday that will allow authorities to confiscate money, valuables, and other assets from people convicted of spreading deliberately false information about the country's military. Dude, that smacks of China right there. The bill sailed through the lower and upper houses of the Russian parliament. I wonder why. And was unanimously endorsed by the upper house last week. I wonder why. Imagine standing in opposition to that bill. You're going to disappear. The speaker of the lower house, 
said the measure includes harsher punishment for traitors who sling mud at our country and our troops and would strip those scoundrels of honorary titles, confiscate their assets, money, and other valuables. So all they have to do is just levy these accusations that you're a traitor and they can take all your stuff. Wow. Just like here. Yeah, to a degree. <laughs> Russian officials have used the existing law against discrediting the military that covers offenses such as justifying terrorism and spreading fake news about the armed forces to silence Putin's critics. Multiple activists, bloggers, and ordinary Russians have received long prison terms. The new confiscation law would apply to those convicted of publicly inciting extremist activities and calling for actions harmful to state security or discrediting the armed forces. Discrediting the Russian military became a criminal offense under a law adopted as part of a sweeping government crackdown on dissent after Moscow sent troops to Ukraine in February of 2022. Russian state news agency TASS said that if someone is convicted under the new law, only money, assets, and property gained through criminal means or used for activities against Russia's national security could be confiscated. Draconian Soviet-era legislation authorized the seizure, seizure of housing and a variety of criminal offenses. Bro. Talk about dictatorship. No freedom of speech. Can't even criticize the military. And it's just straight up authoritarianism. Straight up authoritarianism. If you, if you don't know what it looks like, folks, look at Vladimir Putin. Look at Russia. Russia is no ally. They are no friend to us. Let's not even get that twisted. But it's also none of our business of what's going on over there. Was listening to Ben Shapiro talking about that there's various different positions and stances people are having in regards to Ukraine. And his current stance is that this war needs to come, an end, come to an end and we need to negotiate an off-ramp. There needs to be an off-ramp. You know, clearly Putin's not going to take all of Ukraine. Clearly he's not going to give up the land. By the way, Putin's already called. He called for a ceasefire today. He's calling for a ceasefire. He wants to negotiate. But one of the terms is he's not giving up any land he's already claimed. He's already taken back from Ukraine. And apparently Biden is, you know, the American administration's like, we can't answer for Ukraine. And Ukraine's basically saying, no, not going to happen. He's getting, he's getting way too much money to stop at this. Uh, yeah. uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah. And all these politicians here in the United States. Yep. They're making way too much money off of it. There's, there's literally there's no a way, way out, they yeah. Stop. There's literally a way to end this war. And a lot of the places he's taken were already pro-Russian. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, fair enough. You have to accept the the pragmatism of the situation. Say, look, these are the, this is the situation that we're dealing with. There is no all or nothing. But the Biden administration apparently want to keep throwing money at this in hopes that Ukraine can beat back Russia. Don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. You've had almost two years. I don't think they think that Ukraine can come back and beat Russia. Yeah. I just think it's a big money laundering scheme. I think scheme. so, too, yeah. Well, I mean, that you $500 saw the, uh, billion. Dollars. Talk about that. Or you, what we talked about yesterday after the show, the uh, the Senate passed and passed. Was it $90 million? It's like $95, $95 billion? Billion, billion. dollars. Of course, it's Ukraine go and Israel. The, yeah. Got to so. go through the House now. I mean, I don't think it's going to pass. Hopefully, it doesn't I pass. I hope not. Johnson, Speaker Johnson said it shouldn't. We'll see. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't even... It, it shouldn't even be a thing. Let's see how the Democrats vote. Because you know the Democrats could be united on this. You know they're going to be united the on Democrats? this. Mm -hmm. They're united on everything. Mm -hmm. That's one thing the Democrats are great at. Yeah. They, no matter yeah. no matter what, yeah. <laughs> they're all together on everything. But we'll say, but Shapiro is also the mindset that, you know, people talking about being complete isolationists, which I think he mischaracterizes, he misrepresents here. I don't consider ourselves isolationists. It's all bent upon one theory. Would Putin, Putin push beyond Ukraine if he took it? And my thing is, no, I don't think he would. Ukraine is not NATO territory. And people are talking about he would take Poland. Putin himself has said, I don't want Poland. 
Now, of course, you can't believe a dictator, but even still, if he went to war with Poland, then you've got NATO on you. Then it's an all-out World War III. Yeah, I thought it was back when the the wall came came down, back under uh, Gorbachev. They said no other countries would enter into NATO. And then mm-hmm. since then, a bunch of countries had entered, entered into NATO surrounding mm-hmm. Russia. Yeah. So I yeah. don't see them. Russia like, isn't the only bad guy in this equation. Being in Germany. Yeah. You know, and then trying to take yeah. over the world. No, I don't see it either. But that's Shapiro's. That's that's where the way he presents it. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. And now I do understand foreign policy that you do have to have an international presence. You have to. You cannot allow these other countries to grow big to to. Um, no, you sell them oil. <laughs> It's true. Uh, Russia's doing that to us, too. But either way, it's, just, it's one of these things of like, there's no good guy in this scenario. Americans were convinced to believe that the Ukrainians were the good guys. It's like, mm, they're really not. They murdered thousands of Russian citizens in Ukraine back in 2014, 2015. This is, this is noted. This is real. And America turned a blind eye. Nobody cared. Where was America then? Where was NATO then? Where was the EU then? Ah, ah, we're just going to ignore that. Why? Because America's always the good guy, right? No, it's not. No, it is not. We had countless examples where America was not the good guys. That's patriotism, baby. It's calling the truth. Ultimately, the reasoning behind that, though, is I don't want to send America's sons and daughters to go fight and die in some pointless war that has nothing to do with us. And then you have these... These, you know, these veiled threats by the likes of Schumer's like, if we don't get the money, we're going to have to send troops. No, we won't. Congress will never approve that. Now, Bush did it. Bush circumvented Congress, and it was completely illegal, very illegal, because it's technically not a war, even though called the global war on terror. It was such a legal slippery slope because Congress never voted it as an actual mm-hmm. war. They just said you had like 90 days to get this thing taken care of, and then it turned into a peacekeeping operation. I was like, dude, this is such BS. But they called it the global war. It wasn't a war. It was just a conflict, apparently. A conflict where we lost 8,000 good men and women, Americans. Spent trillions of dollars. Over $7 trillion. $7 trillion in the Middle East. What did we get for it? Nada. Not a thing. Jeez. Not a thing. The only people who made out from that war were the politicians. Yep. Yep. Well, here we go with the news. House impeaches Mayorkas, first cabinet member impeached in nearly 150 years. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was impeached by the House Tuesday night in a narrow 214 to 213 vote, becoming the first cabinet official to be impeached in almost a century and a half. Now, people are saying, what happens now? Goes to the Senate. It's no different than Trump. When they impeached him, it goes to, will the Senate actually take actions? If the Senate does, I will be impressed. I'll be impressed. But ultimately, if he gets booted, if he gets kicked out or whatever the case may be, who are they replacing this guy with? That's the ultimate question. I don't see it getting any better. It's going to be another order taker. And here's the deal. Biden's got nine months left. He's got nine months left. Biden doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care. It'd be different if this was like year one and, you know, you impeach the border guy. Then they replace him. He's not doing his job. You vote to impeach again. I could see this being effective earlier on in the administration, but now nine months, you're going to get the new guy in there. He's going to be like, well, I'm just following Biden's orders. And you're going to impeach me too. It's like, and then people are going to be like, no, we're probably not. Cause it's just, it's not changing anything. 
Now, some are saying that it's not going to pass the Senate. I don't see it passing the Senate, but we'll see. William Belknap, Secretary of War to President Ulysses S. Grant, was impeached by the House in 1876 despite resigning before the vote. Belknap was acquitted by the Senate, an outcome sure to be repeated if the Senate does not procedurally kill Mayorkas's impeachment. Nevertheless, Republicans can claim they secure a rare opportunity in a bitterly divided Congress to hold the Biden administration accountable on what could be the election-defining uh, issue of 2024. Secretary Mayorkas' willful refusal to enforce federal law created an unprecedented crisis at our southern border and left innocent Americans to pay the price. Majority Whip Tom Emer uh, told Breitbart News in an exclusive statement, because Mayorkas failed to do the honorable thing by resigning, House Republicans fulfilled our constitutional duty by voting to impeach. Tuesday night's outcome follows House Republicans' failure to single by a single vote last week to impeach Mayorkas after a wheelchair-bound Representative Al Green uh, out of Texas rolled into the House chamber from a Washington emergency room. Republicans had not counted on Green making the vote, which provided decisive, which proved div, uh, decisive against impeachment. House leadership moved forward with Tuesday night's vote following the welcomed return of Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who has been in Louisiana since December receiving treatment for cancer. A Tuesday special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District would keep Mayorkas safe if called for former Representative Tom Susie out of New York. Representative Ken Buck and Tom McClintock and Mike Gallagher once again voted with Democrats against impeaching the embattled secretary despite overwhelmingly popularity, overwhelmingly popularity for the move amongst Republicans. In a sign of unpopularity of that position after last week's vote against impeachment, Gallagher announced the decision not to seek re-election for Congress. The impeachment is a victory for Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the loudest and most persistent champion of booting Mayorkas from the administration. She and her allies claim that Mayorkas has intentionally refused to follow existing laws and lied to Congress. Clear grounds for impeachment. Um, Green called Mayorkas the worst traitor Tuesday and calling for the House to act. The impeachment is doomed in the Senate, where Majority Leader Chuck Schumer may pursue one of several options to quickly dispose of the uh, uh, options and prevent a brief trial where Mayorkas is certain to be acquitted altogether. But the issue of border security will continue to haunt Democrats leading up to the November election. The House Republicans holding the line, uh, insisting H.R. 2, their tough border security legislation that passed last year, served as the baseline for continued negotiations on border security. So again, even a lot of Republicans don't think it's going to pass the Senate. They take care of their own. Yeah. They do. They don't care if the border's wide open. They don't give a damn. They want it to be open. Yeah. Biden's trying to get in as many new voters as he can. New voters, fentanyl, sex mm-hmm. trafficking. Yep. Uh, they they have to have money in it. They, they have to. It's ridiculous. There's like thousands and thousands of kids that they have no idea where they are. Like people bring them across the border, say, oh, yeah, they're with me. But yeah. they never see, hear from them again. Yeah. They don't know where they are. It's ridiculous. Uh, remember the, uh, remember the lady that pretended to be black, but she was actually white. Rachel Dolezal. Rachel Dolezal. Well, we're not done with her. I don't know if y'all have seen this. And if you haven't, I'm sorry that I have to show you this, but yeah. Notorious race faker, Rachel Dolezal, now elementary school teacher while raking in thousands on OnlyFans. God bless America. 
Infamous race faker and former NAACP chapter president Rachel Dolezal is reportedly now working as a teacher at an Arizona elementary school while also potentially raking in thousands of dollars a month as a racy OnlyFans model. Photos posted online show Dolezal working with children at the Sunrise Drive Elementary School where she is listed under her new name of Nikechi Diallo as an after-school teacher according to records obtained by OutKick. She's reportedly making $19 an hour in her teaching job while also selling content on OnlyFans for $9.99 a month. For that price, Dozal, who became embroiled in scandal in 2015 after being outed as a white woman, falsely posing as black, promises content such as 18-image explicit collection and a video of self-pleasuring to orgasm under the Christmas tree. <laughs> Good for her. My, how the mighty have fallen. Good Lord. One post on the site in September received 122 likes, equating to $1,220 for that photo. Though the number Dozel makes from her risque photos and not safe for work content could be even higher, as the number of subscribers to her page is unknown, according to OutKick. Dozel joined the site in September of 2021, promising to share foot pics as well as fitness tips. <laughs> okay. She said at the time that she had to resort to side hustles as she was unable to get a job in the aftermath of her race scandal. I started with applying for all the things I was qualified for. And after interviews and getting turned down, I even applied to jobs that didn't even require degrees, being a maid at a hotel, working at a casino. Dozel told Tamron Hall in an interview, I wasn't able to get any of those jobs either, she lamented. While employers didn't outright tell Dozel the culture vulture scandal was the reason for her rejections, she said it's hard for them to look past the false information available on Google and Wikipedia. What's false? You lied. Like, you legitimately lied. You tanned yourself, like, dark as you could. You did your hair in a very, you know, misrepresentational way. Which, had you not claimed that you were black, would not be an issue. The only place that my true story lives on is my book, Delzo said, waving a copy of her widely lambasted memoir, In Full Color, Finding My Place in a Black and White World. <laughs> you just lied. She described in the book how she dreamed of freeing her inner blackness while living with strict evangelical parents in Montana. Your blackness? Huh. Oh, the jokes I could make here. Without job prospects following, Dozel turned to OnlyFans to make a living. She previously also sold homemade lollipops, melanin spectrum dolls, and $1,000 sculpture of an electric chair. Attempts to reach Dozel and the Catalina Foothills Unified School District for comment were not immediately successful early Wednesday. You know they're going to fire her over this now. Full-time. I mean, she's teaching only. elementary school kids with an OnlyFans. I'm sorry, but that kind of tells me you're morally bankrupt, and I don't want you teaching children. Yes, I believe our teachers, our children's teachers should have a decent line of morality. I'm sorry. I don't want a prostitute teaching our children. I just don't. Is that really prostitution, though? You're selling your body for money. Okay. <laughs> that was an easy convince. I mean, is All it? Right. It's digital prostitution. I Black guess. and white world. You got to love it. Black and white world. What is this, like Disney? <laughs> Their Netflix? Do you think Excuse that me. school will fire her? I think they will. I don't know. I mean, imagine the... I mean, nobody knew about this until that school or until this article came up. I didn't know she had an OnlyFans, but apparently now I guarantee, and here's how tricky this gets. I had to unfollow New York Post on Instagram and stuff like that because a lot of these OnlyFans women 
will pay their, they actually have representation and they will pay their representation to get them on these articles, these mainstream news for some kind of gotcha moment or some kind of controversial moment. And what they do is they link the woman's OnlyFans in the article and it drives so much content. I guarantee after this, she's going to make some really good money. I guarantee it because now people are going to look this up. You think so? I, they do this with intention. People was like, oh, they just outed so-and-so. No, their, their revenue is going to go through the roof. It's good because they always have a link or they'll talk about what their OnlyFans name is. There's a reason they listed that, you know, not safe for work stuff. They list that for a reason. It's to get people to go subscribe. So while that school might fire her for this, her OnlyFans is going to blow up. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. She's going to make so much money off of simps. It's going to be great. Not great, but it's going to be sad, quite honestly. That's that's the state of the nation, folks. That's the state of the nation. Good night, folks. Have a great evening. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's very smart marketing. If you're if your overall goal is to make money, yes, that is that is brilliant marketing. Controversy controversy sells newspapers and only fan subscriptions. It hundred percent does. Because I saw the article the other day. Because New York Post and Fox News sometimes they have a habit of posting this on on Instagram a lot. A lot. It's like, okay, now you're just simping for freaking OnlyFans hoes. That's all you're doing. It's like, you're not even giving us the news anymore. Because the most recent article they had was like a few days ago where a kindergarten mother, whatever, got booted off the school property because she had her OnlyFans on her windshield. Did you see that? Uh-uh. It, was a, it was a big article over on New York Post. And so they ran this like two or three times and they had her links and everything in that article. Had pictures of the mother. And she wasn't bad looking. So it's kind of like, you know why you're doing this. You know exactly. Because does this warrant the attention of the New York Post? Really? Does this one issue? No. Somebody got the New York Post and said, hey, we'll pay somebody to run the store. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It's just the way it works. It's the way it works. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was real when I saw it come across the... Twitter. Yeah. Because the one picture of her in lingerie mm-hmm. looked fake. It looks fake. It's like really her. Her head looks some, yeah. like a giant potato. Her head potato. does not match her body. Uh, it looks like a giant potato. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh, it's horrible. Is that a joke? She's, she looks in shape. Good for her. Maybe it's that black genetics. A, I don't know. I don't know that it's her real body. <laughs> it doesn't look like it. It really doesn't. But yeah, she's got a potato head. She's got a giant <laughs> potato head, yeah. She does. It's so bad. It's so bad. Maybe like a like a quarter midget. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, folks. That does for today's episode of the All-American Savage Show podcast. We appreciate you being here. If you could, go subscribe to us over on Locals. The button is right down below. You want to support the show? You like what you listen to? You want to support our voices? Go do it there. We greatly appreciate it. Don't subscribe to this e-hoes Instagram or, or ho fans, whatever you want to call it. Come subscribe on Locals and get absolutely no not safe for work content. Instead, you just get great banter between me and Josh. Holy so, fans. Holy fans. Got the holy fans. Appreciate you. We love you. Don't forget to go check out our Valentine's Day special. Don't sleep on this. Buy it so then you can sleep with somebody else later with the lube and the chocolate. So, you got anything to add, my man? Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And until next time, you stay savage, America. Just an old fashioned love song. What I'm sure.